Niall Lee's background is film and TV. She's directed, written and produced films, web series and docu-series. But this week, she makes her playwriting debut with a show called The First Asian Primetime Sitcom. The Tamaki Makaro-based all-rounder was one of the directors on the feature film Kainga that debuted in this year's New Zealand International Film Festival. Until now, her theatre work has been as a producer. Her first play as a writer is a hard-hitting comedy about the frustrations experienced by an all-Asian cast and crew of a fictional sitcom created for primetime TV. Ahead of the play's premiere, I asked her about her initial decision to get into filmmaking. I mean, it was something that I loved since I was a kid. It was also a point of connection between my parents and myself. So my parents are Korean immigrants that came here. And as I was growing up here, embedding myself in sort of an English-speaking country, um, film was always a sweet spot. So my dad would show me films like Terminator and things that were hugely not age-appropriate. And it was like a point of connection that I had. And as I became a teenager, I began to realise that films were these products that were created by these practitioners behind the camera that we weren't seeing and that every element was considered and it made me really consider them as works of art or products of expression and narrative and storytelling so it really I was quite drawn to it yeah. Were you making films I mean even the last few years of course you can make films yourself on your even on your phone on your computer were you making films before you started studying? Just little bits here and there with my sister. So I'd like sneak my parents' camcorders and use up all of the little tapes and make these terrible films. But I had no grasp of camera movement. So they're all dreadfully shaky. They're like a found footage movie. or <laughs> They're like a Blair Witch Project or something. They're horrible. Um, and then my dad would play them and he'd to let me know that I needed to hold the camera still. Um, but I was just so excited. It was sort of all over the place. What then, since you graduated, what are the, the films that you've been involved with? Um, so this year we released a film called Kainga, which was a anthology series made by the same producers of Waru and Vai in the third to end um, the trilogy. Uh, it's about eight Asian women, their stories in the same house over decades. So that has been my latest film um, and we premiered that at the New Zealand International Film Festival this year and went over to Melbourne and it's going to a couple of other places, yeah. I see even even before the formal graduation you were involved with the myth of model minority in 2019. This is for TVNZ On Demand. What were the stories being told there? That one was a real experimental film to see how much we could blow out um, fragments of storytelling to catch snippets of stories, as many stories as we could, interlocking stories in one location. It was a really joyous experience because suddenly I was connected to all of these people that were in all of these communities that were dying to tell their stories and hadn't seen themselves. And it was um, the generosity was incredible. In theatre, I think, uh, until now at least, you've mainly worked as a producer. Yeah. What, what were some of the experiences there with the stage? Uh, while I was studying, I got involved in theatre producing, starting with Proudly Asian Theatre, who have been incredible in supporting my career. And I began to feel like the stories for stage were very urgent and they were also more dynamic or experimental and they could be turned around quickly. 
by all these hungry makers. So I got very involved in theatre producing from then onwards. And since then, I've worked on um, storytellings from the heart of various communities, like working with Mariana Infante on Pinay, or all the way through to working with artists like Nisha Madden and Julia Croft and Plena Kiki Brown, who are live artists that create non-narrative um, experimental work. And it's just broadened my horizons on what performance can be or expression or what art could be. We've brought you on to talk about your the first play that you've written, which is the first Asian primetime sitcom. So you're combining stage <laughs> and your knowledge of film, which is very sensible. Before we look at the, the ideas behind it, the story you're telling, I've seen you describe it as coming out of a fit of fury. I've got to know more about what that means to you. It is quite a rageful play, it came from a place of rage, but I don't know if it's an angry play. I think it's deeply funny. I think from rage can come a variety of feeling, excuse my language, but I think sometimes emotions that you don't know what to do with can make you feel emotionally constipated, if I'm allowed to say that. And I think from that can come this like interesting joy or madness or um, all of these other feelings that are a little bit hard to explain. And so it came from a place of frustration that I lived with in the, um, in the screen industry. And then uh, it's about what happens when you don't know what to do um, when you feel like you're constantly fighting an uphill battle and where that takes you. Then introduce us, if you would, please, to your characters and the situation in which you have placed them. Our key character is the nameless showrunner. She's just referred to as the showrunner, and she's the head writer and the director of this fictional first primetime Asian sitcom. The sitcom is also called the first primetime Asian sitcom, so it's all very tongue-in-cheek. It's all very self-referential. We see her watching the sitcom that she's created. We see her wrestle with her art, as well as enjoy the sitcom and sort of process what uh, the product of the first primetime Asian sitcom might look like and what the gags are. And then it sort of devolves into seeing a little bit more behind the process and the aftermath of the sitcom as well. The play is a little bit of a dry joke, the title of the play, because since then it's been really interesting because since I've written the play there has been... Oh, there's Creamery, of course. Yes, there's Creamery, yeah. there's Pack Societies Raised by Refugees. So I wrote the play about three or so years ago and since then those two shows came out. So it's really fascinating to see how that, what has existed and what risks has been taken um, creatively by what parties to make those shows come to life. So amazing creatives that are paving the way for me. Senate also uh, described as looking at the issues for Asian creatives who end up shouldering the burden for representing the communities, and that is a huge responsibility. And do you feel that? Of course. I think the burden of representation has been very real for many of our creatives. It comes from a space of extreme scarcity of funding. So I'm sure, you know, all the news has done the rounds about how the arts funding hasn't increased with inflation, how everything's been slashed. And so this creates an incredible pressure cooker for those creatives that actually are placed in the environments or have the resources to make the work that they want to. And with that comes this extra burden of having to represent not just yourself and your stories, but potentially the whole culture of which you belong to, um, because there's only really one shot of doing that and potentially only one shot for a very, very long time. So this play makes tongue-in-cheek commentary on that and sort of 
combusts it and blows it up from the inside. There is an awareness, but I think that I would like for this to be a battle cry to do more. I think it's always, I think something that I'm exploring is this idea of the public versus the private, the things that we can say that we'll do or the things, how we present ourselves when we're being watched by others. But what are the actions that are being done? What are the actual changes that are being made? We can go around in circles talking about what we're going to do or what our plans are, but what does it look like to actually enact those things? And I think I want to question those things in the play too. What have you enjoyed about writing a play rather than a script for screen? Like you've kind of mentioned, I studied in film and I felt that, you know, you have to learn the rules to break them, but I really learnt the rules. And then when I discovered theatre, I found it more of a fertile space to start experimenting or toying with it. The liveness of having the actors um, speak directly back to me or, like, towards me was also really helpful. But I think there was something about theatre that was very elusive that you could start toying with performance style or you could start toying with the fringes of the frame a little bit. In film, I feel like it's all very bound by um, a certain style or I feel like there are narrative constraints I feel that I can't experiment with yet in film. But in theatre, I feel like I can tear these things apart, whether that's in structure or in performance or in character, and make real commentary that I can't do quite yet with film. All those frustrations that we were talking about, do you feel that it's a good time to be an Asian Kiwi creative at the moment, If we maybe if we put funding aside, which is a, you know, a big thing to put aside, but in terms of the energy, the community, the drive, um, some real leading lights in the area. I mean, are you, are you feeling, how are you feeling about the future, I guess is what I'm trying to, to say. Oh, I feel great about the future, Lynn. I mean, um, this year also we had Nathan Joe's um, Scenes from a Yellow Peril and Nathan is a dear friend and I think we're all kind of paving, or I don't want to say we're paving the way, but we're setting up a foundation and passing the baton on. It's a really, really great time, I think, um, because it does seem to be visible. That being said, I also know that we are on the backs of giants that have been working for years and years and years before us that have also paved the way for us as well. Um, I think the real question is, will this continue? Will we continue to have this visibility? Will we continue to be celebrated for our stories beyond this year or going into the future? I'm really excited for the future because I think that there's a real burst of energy and hunger for it. But I also I also hope that it continues to stay this way um, and we don't move backwards. What are the stories then that you're wanting to tell? I think you've got a web series that you're working on at the moment. Yeah, I'm working on a web series pilot. It's part of PASC's um, Episode 1 initiative, and I'm directing that one. It's an ensemble of... It's like an Asian girl gang at a private all-girls high school in sort of the pursuit of one of the girls to become head girl, fighting against sort of expectations of the institution of the school and the legacy of head girls. So moving on to something a little bit more narrative but also fun and ensemble, continuing the ensemble. I'm really excited to to move on to that next, yeah. And I see horror maybe in your future too. Oh, I love horror, Lynn. I just, I watch horror all the time. I think it's such a beautiful, <laughs> it's a strange word, but a beautiful manifestation of the strange, deep, dark places of our mind and the situations we put ourselves in. Um, I think it's deeply subjective and strange. And what I really love is setting uh, really strong formal constraints around the work that I want to make. So 
in this play I've got a sitcom, um, you know, I'm working on a teen film and working on a horror and then using those um, genre conventions or expectations to twist and play and explore creatively and make um, commentary where I can. Yeah, so I'm really keeping that one a little bit under wraps but really excited to shift into a different gear. Nyon Lee, the first primetime Asian sitcom premieres on Thursday at Auckland's Q Theatre.